Hello world, I'm Roger Corville and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Ultimately, in a biblical sense, perfection is everything involved in a in affecting, meaning causing, bringing to completion, arrival at the goal of creation's history and salvation's history, which is the approach through Christ to God. And thus, when it comes to the book of Hebrews, rather than speaking of fulfillment of the Old Testament, Hebrews, the writer, actually prefers to show how the imperfect anticipated that which alone brings us to the goal, the perfect. And it's a reminder of what that means for us, which is what I'm going to close with today. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported daily audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own stories in light of that. And today, we get to Hebrews 8 for our New Testament segment, and I just want to let the writer make their own argument which also just happens to include a lot of Old Testament quotes. If you need yet another reason why we read the Old Testament, here you go. Hebrews chapter 8. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Remember, he's talking about Jesus being the fulfillment of the priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek, remember? right? So, therefore, it was necessary for this priest meaning the ultimate high permanent permanent priest, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle, For God said to him, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says, and this whole next section is him quoting Old Testament, but finding fault with his people, he says, See, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each his brother or sister saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. By saying, quote-unquote, a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. Hebrews chapter 8. My friends, if you find it a little bit weird that it says, Each person will not teach his fellow citizen or brother or sister saying, know the Lord, but they'll all know me. That's referring to future believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? From the least of them to the greatest of them, all equal. We'll touch on that very briefly in our closing reflection, which I trust will be a a really positive way to kind of wrap up our Saturday and close out the week. In the meantime, you're just going to have to imagine this next thing. Uh, scholars point out that this section of Hebrews that we've been in, chapters 13 to, to 15, is a literary masterpiece. And sadly, we don't see it in this format that we're, you know, of how we go through the Bible here. Except to say that when we talk about Moses being instructed to just make sure that he followed all of the instructions, remember that God's divine order emanates from his very nature and character and we knock on wood are being transformed into that right don't be conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of your mind that's why we read all of this leviticus 14 and we'll get it uh, end of 14 and we'll go up through 15 today and do not miss monday and tuesday because how this all connects leviticus and hebrews is just cool Leviticus 14, picking up in verse 33, cleansing of contaminated objects. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, when you enter the land of Canaan that I am giving you as a possession, and I place a mildew contamination in a house in the land you possess, the owner of the house is to come and tell the priest, saying, something like mildew contamination has appeared in my house. The priest must Order them to clear the house before he enters to examine the contamination so that nothing in the house becomes unclean. Afterward, the priest will come to examine the house. He will examine it, and if the contamination in the walls of the house consists of green or red indentations that appear to be beneath the surface of the wall, the priest is to go outside the house to its doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest is to return on the seventh day and examine it. If the contamination has spread on the walls of the house, the priest must order that the stones with the contamination be pulled out and thrown into an unclean place outside the city. I wonder if there's any connection there to the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD, right? Not one stone will be left on another. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Here we go. He is to have the inside of the house completely scraped and have the plaster that is scraped off dumped in an unclean place outside the city. Then they are to take 
different stones to replace the former ones and take additional plaster to replaster the house. If the contamination reappears inside the house after the stones have been pulled off and the and after the house has been scraped and replastered, the priest is to come and examine it. If the contamination is spread in the house, it is a harmful mildew. The house is unclean. It must be torn down with its stones, its beams, all its plaster taken outside the city to an unclean place. Whoever enters the house during any of these days, the priest quarantines it will be unclean until evening. Whoever lies down in the house is to wash his clothes, and whoever eats in it is to wash his clothes. But when the priest comes and examines it, if the contamination has not spread in the house after it was replastered, he's to pronounce the house clean because the contamination has disappeared. He is to take two birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop to purify the house, and he is to slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot containing fresh water. He will take the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet yarn, and the live bird, dip them in the blood of the slaughtered bird and the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. He'll purify the house with the blood of the bird, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop and the scarlet yarn. Then he is to release the live bird into the open countryside outside the house. In this way, he will make atonement for the house and it will be clean. This is the law for any skin disease or mildew for a scaly outbreak for mildew in clothing or on a house for a swelling scab or spot to determine when something is unclean or clean. This is the law regarding skin disease and mildew. All right. You remember the beginning of this section began with like menstruation and post-childbirth? Well, part of the structure of Leviticus gets us back to bodily discharges at the end of this kind of poetic section. Believe it or not, this is poetic. Just trust me. Chapter 15, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, speak to the Israelites and tell them when any man has a discharge from his member, he is unclean. This is uncleanness of his discharge. Whether his member secretes the discharge or retains it, he is unclean. All the days of that his member secretes or retains anything because of his discharge, he's unclean. Any bed the man lies on with discharge will be unclean, and any furniture he sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches his bed is to wash his clothes and bathe with water. He will remain unclean till evening. Whoever sits on the furniture that the man with the discharge was sitting on is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will be unclean until evening. Whoever touches the body of the man with the discharge is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he'll be unclean till evening. If the man with the discharge spits on anyone who is a, who is clean, he is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until evening. Any saddle the man with the discharge rides on will be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him will be unclean until evening and whoever carries such things is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until evening. If the man with the discharge touches anyone without first rinsing his hands in water, the person who is touched is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he'll remain unclean until evening. Any clay pot that the man with the discharge touches must be broken while it while any wooden utensil is to be rinsed with water. When the man with discharge has been cured of it, he is to count seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, bathe his body with fresh water. He will be clean. He must take two turtle doves or two young pigeons on the eighth day. Come before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting and give them to the priest. The priest is to sacrifice them. One is a sin offering and the other is a burnt offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. When a man has an emission of semen, he is to bathe himself completely with water and he will remain unclean until evening. Any clothing or leather on which the 
there is an omission of semen is to be bathed with water and it will remain unclean until evening. If a man sleeps with a woman and has an omission of semen, both of them are to bathe with water and they will remain unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge and it consists of blood from her body and she will be unclean because of her menstruation for seven days, everyone who touches her will be unclean until evening. Anything she lies on during her menstruation will become unclean and anything she sits on will become unclean. Everyone who touches her bed is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until evening. Everyone who touches any furniture she was sitting on is to wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until evening. If the discharge is on the bed or the furniture she was sitting on, when he touches it, he will be unclean until evening. If a man sleeps with her and the blood from her menstruation gets on him, he, he will be unclean for seven days, and every bed he lies on will become unclean. When a woman has a discharge of her blood for many days, though it is not time for her time of menstruation, or if she has a discharge beyond her period, she will be unclean all the days of her unclean discharge as she is during the days of her menstruation. Any bed she lies on during the days of her discharge will be like her bed during menstrual impurity. Any furniture she sits on will be unclean as in her menstrual period. Everyone who touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will remain unclean until evening. When she is cured of her discharge, she is to count seven days and after that she will be clean on the eighth day she must take two two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting the priest is to sacrifice one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and in this way the priest will make atonement for her because before the lord because of her unclean discharge you must keep the israelites from their uncleanness here we go you must keep the israelites from their uncleanness so that they do not die by defiling my temple that is among them. That this is the law for someone with a discharge, a man who has an omission of semen, becoming unclean by it, a woman who is in her menstrual period, or anyone who has a discharge, whether male or female, and a man who sleeps with a woman who is unclean. That is chapter 15. And my friends, here is where I would love for you just to meditate with me for a moment. Why did God choose skin disease and, well, and a few other disorders as the conditions that would cause his people to be ritually unclean? First, it's useful to remember that these rules come from God, and since he's God, making the rules is his divine prerogative. I think it's also useful to remember this is 1,500 years B.C., and we see salvation history unfold over time, which is a progressive revelation. And we see, we just see an amazing unfolding of things that came up to and culminated in Christ. But at this point in time, right, this was an act of grace relative to the surrounding countryside, right? God had a reason for all the laws he gave, even though those reasons may not be clear to us. So when we encounter things in the Bible that don't make sense to us, our impulse should be to give God the right to be God. And in this case, skin disease symbolized sin and separation, right? Didn't mean it didn't mean emissions and menstruation was a sin. It symbolized sin and separation from God. Why? Because that is the symbol God chose. Now here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus graduates us from some from symbol to substance. 
right? Leviticus 13 to 15, which we just finished up, is about physical infirmity. And the bad news is that sin, even in our own sense, doesn't just separate us from a holy God. It brings physical death too, right? Sin entering the world in Genesis chapter 3 didn't just break our heart relationship with God. It entered it, it introduced death into the world, right? Things die. And there's disease. Now here's the good news. And it is that the good news is news. It's not advice. Remember what Paul wrote. Second Corinthians 4.16, he wrote, Our outer person is being destroyed. However, he also wrote about our future. In 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote, We will all be changed, for this corruptible must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal must be clothed with immortality. And my friends, in eternity, when we have immortal bodies, what will life be like? Well, I'm going to close with a little bit of Revelation 21, which gives us a glimpse God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Lord God, I pray that this will sink deep into our hearts. That somehow your very nature and character is not only holy and good and perfectly just, Lord, but that you are relational in your very being and that you didn't need us, but you wanted us and that you want to be with us. And Lord, thank you for providing that way. Lord, thank you for the permanent high priest. Lord, thank you that your spirit indwells each and every believer who here has trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, as this ultimate high prophet, priest, and king. And Lord God, I pray that it will touch down in in reality for us today, that that will give us gentleness and humility and patience and the kind of thing that you demonstrate toward us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, would you give us that heart for others? Lord, thank you. And my friends, thank you. I love you. Amen. Amen.